Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. How y'all doing? Good, good. I know Jared said something a moment ago, but I just wanted to echo on that on this Memorial Day weekend. I think for me, you know, it's one of those weekends where we're just excited to have a three-day weekend. Amen? Most of us get a three-day weekend, but I really want to encourage you. Some of you in this very room, you may know someone who has given their life uh, on behalf of our country. So we, we do celebrate all those that have gone before us. I thought it would be a good thing today to start with, uh, y'all know what it means when you do a word association? You know what I'm talking about? And so I want to invite you to do this with me this morning before we get, get into the, the meat of this sermon. Just to make sure you're with me, I want to make sure uh, you're connected And so here's how the word association game will go. If you want to, uh, the first thought or phrase that comes to your mind, I'm inviting you to say it out loud, okay? I'm giving you permission to do that. So I'm going to give you five words. Here's number one, word number one in this game. Beach vacation. I, I wish, okay. That was definitely the best one. Word number two, I expect perhaps, well, we'll just see who answers this. Last day of school. I feel like the students are like, yes, and the parents are like, no. Third word, I really want to really pay attention to this one. First kiss. I think my daughter-in-law just said, ew, I, I hope it was not Jared. Oh, okay, okay. I already know what some of you will say on this one. Favorite movie? Ride along. What? Okay, okay. Okay, now one more. I'm not sure this is going over so great. I may never do this again in the history of our church. But I do have one more that's actually related to the text we're going to look at today in 1 Peter. Here's the word. Pay attention to this word. I hope you're ready for it. The word is submit. Pretty quiet on that one. And and so here's what I, I want you to be really, really honest with me. When I said that word, submit... I'm curious, and maybe you'd be willing to just raise your hand. How many of you would say when I said the word submit, the first thought was perhaps a little bit of a negative thought? Would you just raise your hand if maybe that's how you felt? I I feel like some people would say that, okay? Some people would say negative. How many of you, when I said the word submit, thought of it, whether positive or negative, in terms of a marriage? Anybody? That's the first you thought about marriage, okay? Okay. How many of you, when I said the word submit, maybe you thought about something totally different. Maybe you thought about it in the, in the context of um, a work environment. Anybody? You, you thought about, no? Okay, well, one hand, all right. Anybody think about this word related to school? Some students. Anybody think about it related to parenting? 
Anybody think about it in relation to government? Hmm. And, and here's my favorite of all. Did anyone at all think of the word submit? And the first thing that you thought about was, was like MMA fighting. You know, like you have someone on the ground and they're like, tap out. Anybody think of that? That you thought that first. I will say this, since both Jared and Sean Murray are here today, uh, a few years ago, there were a bunch of people in our living room, and uh, this is, of course, when they were much, much younger, and uh, there was a lot of that kind of wrestling happening in my living room, and uh, one night, Sean and Jared were going at it, and like, Sean is, is bigger than Jared and pretty strong, but Jared is also very... Uh, strong-willed, prideful, I don't know, like, like he's thinking he can take Sean, and like I am three feet away from Sean having Jared pinned to the floor, Jared was not going to tap out, and I'm like, I'm about to see my, my son die, at which point I started to scream, and, and it, it all ended really bad, Shauna would remember this too, and I basically lost my cool. I told all these college-age people, this is enough. No more of this stuff happening in my living room. I'm done. And they all kind of were like, what do we do now? And they all left, and they didn't come back to my house for like three months. So that, that was interesting. That's, that's my story about, you remember that, Sean? Oh, yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Well, there's obviously a reason I'm talking about all of this today. It's because in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, and then into the first part of chapter 3, Peter gives us, you all, Peter, not Kent, God's holy word through Peter gives us very clear instructions about when and to whom we are to submit to. And so open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll start in verse 13 today. 1 Peter 2, 13. And I'm going to break this down. We'll look at a little bit of the text. We'll talk about it, and then we'll move on. 1 Peter 2, 13. Look with me. And so submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Instead, live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. And honor the emperor. Now, uh, we're going to leave this text there. We're going to kind of go back and forth with this for just a minute. Something really interesting happens in this text. Peter, if you look back at verse 13, put that up there real quick. <clears throat> the first thing Peter does, he instructs believers to submit to all human authority. And then look at verse 16. In the very same text, in verse 16, Peter also says... I want you to live as free people. And so you read this and you might think, what? what? What am I supposed to do? Peter, you're writing to us. Is it submission 
in verse 13? Or is it freedom in verse 16? Now, I want you to begin to think about this with me. <coughs> well, that didn't work. What do I do? <coughs> this coughing thing, Shauna and I just keep giving it back and forth to one another. <coughs> just wait. Well, we'll get to that text in a minute. Hold on. We're going to get there. Last week, Jared did an incredible job preaching the text right before this. So you've got to think about this. Here again, Peter said, submit, but then he said, no, you live a free life. But then one week ago, Jared read what Peter talked about where Peter said, hey, you guys, Christians, we're, we're strangers and we're exiles. We're aliens in this land. In fact, our true citizenship is not here, but it's in heaven. And so now you're thinking, okay, that's right, that's right. I, I'm, my citizenship is in heaven. My citizenship is not here. So then you begin to think to yourself, what? If my citizenship is in heaven, why do I need to submit to people here on this earth? And, and you really just have to begin to break down this text. Put back up with me, if you would, verse 13. Do we have that up there? <coughs> Look at this with me. Submit yourself, Christian, to every human authority. Now, let's just think about that. This is the directive that Peter writes to the church. I want you to submit yourself to every human authority. Go on now. Fast forward to verse 15 and 16. This is God's will. Look at 16. Peter says, I want you to live as free people. Look at the last part of verse 16. I want you to live as God's slaves. Well, think about what that means. If we live as God's slaves, it means we are his servant, right? We are the Lord's servant. And so if we are his servant, <coughs> he has this plan for us as his servant. Go back to verse 13. Go backwards again. As God's servant, we are to submit ourselves to all human authorities, and then look at the middle part of verse 13. Why? All of this is for the Lord's sake. All of this. Even though, yes, we have freedom in Jesus Christ, even though we have freedom in Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, you're still going to show yourself as a servant of the Lord because I want you to submit to those people in authority over you. Why? For the Lord's glory, for the glory of God. This is why we're going to do this. And so if you really begin to look at the big picture of what Peter tries to say as he starts this portion of the text, listen, you might need to brace yourself for this, but this is the truth. Some of you might raise your hand and say, you know what, I'm just going to ignore this text. I'm going to ignore this text. I'm not going to live this way. And let me tell you what happens if you ignore this text based on what Peter writes to the church. Truth number one, here it is. Rejecting human authority does this. It diminishes your gospel witness. Thank you, dear. I appreciate that. Shay, you're awesome. Rejecting human authority diminishes your gospel witness. Let's just talk about that. 
It's Memorial Day weekend. Let's, let's talk about it. Here are four or five ways that I've seen this happen. Number one, no one will be shocked here, Facebook. Facebook, here's how this works. <clears throat> Let's say you log into your Facebook account, and in your post, you decide you want to openly reject political leadership. Do you have the right to do that? Yes, you have the right to do that. You can do whatever you want to do. But I need you to realize that in your attack of leadership, in your written attack on Facebook, it is very possible that your gospel witness to others outside of the faith is being diminished. It is very easy to get caught up in this and do it. it you, we see it all the time. That's one example. How else do I see this happen? Well, let me just, we're in a school, right? Let's talk about the principle. It's happened right here at Rock Springs Elementary School. We decide we're going to criticize the school principal because he hasn't figured out a good way for the car rider pickup and drop-off line. And we're frustrated and we're tired of waiting in that line and I'm going to blame the principal. How many of us have been hypercritical of our supervisor at work? Are they our authority? Sure they are. Do we think they don't know what they're doing? I don't know. You tell me. Are you critical of them? How many of you are students? Have you ever been critical of your teacher or of your college professor for the amount of work they assign you? Are they your authority? Has God placed them there over you to teach you? Yeah. I don't know. How do you answer that? Oh, you're going to love this one. How about the highway patrol? That highway patrol officer who just gave you a speeding ticket. Were you speeding? Yeah. But I was, only, I was only 10 over. I didn't think they wrote me up until I was 11 over. Seriously, how many times have we said that? Was he just doing his job? Yeah. And so those are really easy those are easy examples I could come up with really quickly about what happens, that this rejection of human authority and how it begins to diminish your gospel witness. And all I'm going to say, friends, is this. Instead of talking smack, how about we do what the Bible says, and it says, instead, do good. That's exactly what the Scripture says. Put verse 15 up on the screen. For it is God's will that by doing good, huh, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Which brings me to point number two. Our actions, friends, are often louder than words. I, uh, you know my story of growing up in Oklahoma City and... and uh, you know, Sean and I were both, at one point in life, double income, no kids. Then I, I surrendered to the gospel ministry. Shauna quit her job, got pregnant with Jared, and now we're single, smaller income with kids. So we sold the new house and bought an bought a old home. It was fine, but it is in a pretty rough part of town. And, uh, you know, what you do when you move to a new house, you meet your neighbors. Next door neighbor on one side was uh, 
Sammy and Connie. What was the last name? Ramos. Sammy and Connie. They had these two precious little girls. The, the, on the other side of our house was an apartment complex. And when I say on the other side of my house, for real, my bedroom window, from my bedroom window on that side of that house to the apartment complex, I'm going to guess it was about five feet. Yeah, a little bit too close. I don't know how codes allowed that to happen, but that's a whole other story. So Sammy was a painter, not very talkative, didn't really want to talk. His wife, Connie, nicest lady you ever meet. And it was one of those uh, really toxic relationships, you could tell. She was always kind of trying to apologize for him, and, you know, it was just was what it was. <clears throat> and so we decided, I, I wanted to put in a basketball goal. I mean, you know, Jared was all of, like, two years old. It's time to put in a basketball goal, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But I knew that I had to dig a little bitty hole because I wanted to put in, you know, I was going to pour some concrete. It was on a questionable piece of the property line. Sammy, what do you think, bro? This is probably going to be partially on your property line. Oh, man, it's fine. No problem. Connie's great with it. So here I am out there, you know, digging the hole. Man, look at that. Look at that. Poured the concrete. Beautiful goal. About a week later, guess what happened? Brother Sammy changed his mind. And he didn't tell me personally, but he had his wife tell Shauna, who told me, you need to tell Kent to take down the goal. I decided I don't like it. Well, thank you very much. The reason I tell you that story is we knew that, um, man, Sammy, man, he just, we were trying to be a witness to him. And I could have done one of two things, as you would do the same. I could have marched over there and said, bro, what is your stinking problem? You told me this was okay. Why did you change your mind? But I didn't think that would probably be the most productive thing to do. So my actions were to just submit and take down the goal. And I think that's part of what Peter tries to teach us, especially in situations when someone's life kind of hangs in the balance. Do they know Jesus or not? And am I going to drive a wedge in a relationship that someone might know come to know Christ or not. And so this is what Peter's talking about. He continues, look on, beginning of verse 18. He shifts gears now and he says something different. He says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, he says, you should submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, look at this, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? Look at this. Here's the whole point. He says, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. And so Peter is addressing these people right where they are. And, and please hear my heart. I am thankful that none of us in this room know firsthand what it meant to be a slave or to be a slave master. But there is truth in the text here that, that we can learn from. And so think about this with me. Just, just think about this. Every single one of us in church today, we all know what it means when we do something wrong. We do something wrong, and because of our disobedience, we're punished 
We get that. And so part of this text, it's like, here's what Peter's saying. He's saying, dude, like you had it coming. You got what you deserve. But then he says, the part I want us to learn from, here's the bigger deal. He says, let me tell you, church, what none of us seem to be able to handle very well at all. None of us can handle when we suffer wrongly. If we get punished and yet we are actually innocent, listen, God forbid that ever happened to any of us. We can't handle that. And so Peter is saying to the church, hey church, do you really want the favor of God? Do you really want to know what is commendable to God? He says, if you do, then you must learn to endure. Listen, you got to learn to endure even when you find yourself in some unfair situations. Learn to endure. Learn to endure without complaining. And what about this one? Are you willing to learn to endure without hoping that the person who maybe has done some wrong towards you ends up suffering as well. Can you endure without having that hatred towards someone else? So what do you do? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord? Fill me with grace. God, fill me with mercy. God, fill me with love for that person who mistreated me. That's huge. That's hard. But that's what Peter's teaching us in this text. Again, why is all this playing out? Why should we live like this? It says right here in this text. This is bullet number three. Why? Number three, because Christ suffered, because he's my example, and I desire to follow him. That's what the text says. Look at verse 21. To this, friends, you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you too should follow in his steps. Have you all ever heard that phrase? It was a really popular t-shirt several years ago. Jesus died for me, I'll live for him. And we would, we would, we would say that all the time when, when I was a youth minister. Christ died for me, I'll live for him. And that's nice to put on a t-shirt, but the real question is, church, will you? Will you do that? Is there anything that needs to change in your life? If you've not yet started following in his steps, like this verse says, when do you think that could happen? Will that happen after you, you finish up with your current Netflix series? Maybe when you get a little more motivation, then it'll happen. Maybe after summer vacation. Maybe when it's a little more convenient. And this text encourages, no, friends, just, just look to Jesus Christ, which is a fourth truth out of this text, in Christ. This is the best part of this text, in Christ I'm forgiven, and I'm healed, and I'm found. Look at verses 23 through 25. 
Peter writes, and he committed no sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurl their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, Jesus, our example, our Savior, what did he do? Instead, he entrusted himself to him, his heavenly Father, who judges justly. And look what he did. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. I want you to think about, about the significance of that text that we just read. And, and the truth of what we've been saying in this series, I'm fully known. I'm fully known by Jesus. And even with him knowing everything about me, all my sin, he, he still loves me. And I, I read this text, and I'm reminded that on the cross, this is a word we don't normally use, Jesus bore all of my sin. That means he took, listen, all of my sin. He took it upon himself. All of my sin, all of your sin, all of our sin. And, and I just try to imagine the weight and the heaviness and the pain and Scripture says he, he took on all of that, knowing every single detail in full. And as he was crucified, even then, even then in his crucifixion, he says, Father, forgive them. They, they don't even know what they're doing. To be fully known by Jesus Christ and still unconditionally loved by Jesus, listen, it. It's hard to comprehend, but if please hear me. It's true. It's real. And it offers hope to every one of us here today. Because of Jesus, we're forgiven. We're healed. We're no longer lost, but we've been found by the good shepherd. And then look with me at the beginning of chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll wrap up with this. Peter says, as we've reference this morning. Church, it's God's plan that we're going to submit to the people in authority. Then he says we need to submit in real life every day in these daily relationships. And then he talks about the one that most of you thought about when we started the sermon. Hey, he talks about submitting in marriage. Peter talks first to the wives. And, and ladies, let me just say this. I don't know why Peter decided to write several verses to wives and only like one to men. But this is Peter. It's not, I didn't write this, okay? Just sharing it. Wives. In the same way. What does that mean? In the same way. He's like, hey, remember all this that we've just been talking about? In that same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Why? So that, look at this. If any of them do not believe. 
So that, why are we doing this? If any of them do not believe the word, what? They may be won over without even having to use words by the behavior of their wives. Well, what are we looking for? What kind of behavior? When they see the purity, when they see the reverence of your life, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, let me, let me talk about this. Some ladies in the room, you may read this text, maybe you've read this text dozens of times, and you already know, well, this definitely collides with what the world is telling me I need to be. You already realize that. And then there may be some of you, when you read this text, and the Bible says, okay, wives, live a pure and reverent life. It talks about your inner self. You need to have this gentle and quiet spirit. And you read that, and, and you may think, come on. You, you may think, that is not who I am. And all I'm saying to you, Peter writes, this is some of who God desires for you to be. Now, I began to do some research this week just to see. I wanted to find some ladies who had written about this. I'm like, and one of the first articles I found, it was phenomenal. It's a lady by the name of Kim Cash Tate. And she wrote a whole blog about this on, on the Desiring God website. Kim is an attorney. She came to know Christ as an adult. She didn't know Jesus when she was younger, didn't grow up in a Christian family. She's married, and so she started talking about, man, I'm an attorney, I'm good at arguing, I, I'm married, I came to know Christ as an adult, and she's like, I am on the struggle bus with this Bible verse. Here's what she said. I'm not naturally gentle and quiet. She said... What comes natural to me is speaking my mind. Mm-hmm. And then she began to talk about how hard it has been, how difficult it has been for her to gradually learn to just take one little baby step at a time so that she might display the fruit of the spirit traits, some of the ones that some of the traits she'd always struggled with, like being peaceful and being patient. And being gentle and having more self-control. She said, those have always been areas of weakness in my life. And so, some of you relate to that. If you're more strong-willed, this is difficult. And let me say this. What we're talking about, this is more than just biting your tongue. This is more than just trying not to roll your eyes at your husband when he says something you don't agree with. It's more than that. Because what this really is, listen, it's a matter of the heart. And Peter's simply saying, hey, wives, man, he says, this kind of beauty 
This is the kind of beauty, it never fades. It never goes away. And he says it's a beautiful thing. And he says it's one of the greatest things. In fact, it's of great worth in God's sight. And then Peter says something to the men. Look at, look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. He says, husbands, here it is, in the same way, in the same way, all these things we've talked about, just like he said to the wives related to submission, in the same way, men, you must be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and that weaker has nothing to do with their intelligence or their ability, but in the text, it's basically their weakness physically. Treat them with respect as that weaker partner. Most often our wives are physically weaker. But look at this. Treat them as co-heirs with you of this gracious gift of life. So that, men, nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands. Peter's saying what we've read in the New Testament in multiple places. He says, men... Love your wife like Jesus Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? He gave his life on the cross. Men, love your wife like that. And I will just say this, men, if, if you love your favorite team, or if you love your favorite video game, or if you love your hobby, or if you love your job, or if you love social media, or whatever it is, any of that, if you love it more than you love your wife, hear me, you're missing the mark. You're falling short. You're missing the mark. And Peter says, be considerate. Show your wife love. Show her respect. Because together, the two of you have become one. The minister who married you probably said that in the ceremony. And the two of you are one. And Peter follows up and says, it's even more than that. You're co-heirs. You are servants and ambassadors of Jesus Christ together as one. You're better together. And Peter is saying to all of us guys in the room, hey, dudes, don't mess up. Don't, he, he's, he's pretty straightforward. Peter says, if, if guys, if you try to manage your relationship with your wife, outside of the biblical parameters for marriage, he straight up says, it's going to hinder your prayer life. And maybe you're having an aha moment like, man, no wonder my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. That, that's exactly what he says here. And all I'm doing today is simply we're going through this verse by verse, and when Peter shares this letter with the New Testament church, guess what? He's sharing it with us. He's sharing it with us for today. It's so important for us to take God's word and to apply it and to live it out. Is it easy? No. I've been married 30 years this past week. And I have a precious wife. And I love her and she loves me. And we've had mountaintop moments and we've had moments in the valley. And we continue. We continue to need, need to be reminded 30 years into marriage of what Peter says to us as husbands and as wives for the glory of God's kingdom.
And so you come to church today, and, and you're processing all this. Man, some of you are like, man, I'm not even married. I don't have to worry about that one. But the rest of the text speaks to you. This idea of, of submission, this idea that we are God's servants, and because we're his servants, he calls us to submit to those people around us and authority over us and daily relationships. Why? For the glory of his kingdom. But we're going to wrap up today, but the most important thing I want you to hear is this. If you've never surrendered, what's that? That's the same as submission, isn't it? If you've never surrendered to Jesus and said, Jesus, be my Savior and my Lord, that's where this journey begins. That's where it begins. And I don't know where you're at. I'm, I'm thinking many of you in this room, as I look around, it's much easier to see who's here today because there's some empty seats. Many of you know Christ as Savior and Lord. Praise God for that. But if you don't, man, know that he has this plan to transform your life so that you might have a glorious relationship with him, and it'll impact everything. It'll impact your relationship with your spouse if you're married, with your kids at the job, and in your neighborhood with the next-door neighbor who first said you could put up the goal and then told you to tear it down. Old Sammy. Lost track of Sammy, have no idea what's up in his world today. But God puts Sammys in all of our life, and God gives us scripture so that we might know how to live. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the truths that we've been learning as we go through the book of 1 Peter. And God, I think many of us, we, we do desire to honor you, and so... It's not always easy. Lord, for many of us in this room, we try to figure it out on our own first. We try to, we try to God, live our own plan. And oftentimes that leads us in a direction of, of frustration, sometimes failure. And so God, forgive us. Lord, I believe that as we read your word today, there's no way this is going to be spoken and preached and it not come back. God, void, because that's your promise. And so today, God, as we receive this truth, may we be changed for your glory. God, more than anything, we do want to impact the people around us. God, right here, beginning in our community and, and even breaking it down closer, God, with the people who we already have relationship with. God, the people in our oikos, the people we think about and pray for and God, invest in seven days a week. Use us, God, for your glory, that, that it might begin right there. God, help us to live a life that honors you. Thank you for this day, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.